This week's episode of the Discerning Gamer Podcast is brought to you by Ubu Productions. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, trying to convince Lizzie that Tweeg is a deadbeat boyfriend, whilst being mindful that Gene Zaruthian is quite racist towards Flimborgs, this is the Discerning Gamer <laughs> Podcast. I am your host, Joel JB Fury Beauchene, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam. He's foaming at the tip and ready for <laughs> video game-based coitus. It's none other than Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus. Oh, JB. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, also with us this week, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage, uh, preferring to, quote, be sodomized for money in preference to <laughs> playing the next Assassin's Creed sequel. It's none other than Simon Steely McLaughlin. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a part of my life either way. I wouldn't get back, Joel, but it would be one that I'd make money instead of giving it to Ubisoft because fuck that for a joke don't need to give them any more money how are you (laughs) yes thank you Uh, very fast uh, becoming the Ubisoft horn as opposed to the Wii U horn Uh, finally with us we have uh, the Nintendo Queen Pistol Pisty Pete She's the only member of the DG crew whose content is created entirely by chat GPT. It's Casey <laughs> C-Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C-Mac. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. What, I, don't know what, I don't know what that is. Sorry. It's uh, an artificial oh. intelligence that uh, people are using to... Uh, do all sorts of wonderful things. If you if you're not across it, uh, definitely uh, check it out. Be worried. Don't, don't mind my wife. She uh, decided that she's been living um, under a rock for a little. I got her a rock for her birthday last year, and she's been spending a good portion of her life underneath it. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. But, uh, yep, that came out better in my head than it did out of my mouth. <laughs> Yum. Well, before, just before we jump into the news headlines, what has everyone been playing this week, Fergus? <clears throat> I'm still knee-deep in Starfield at the moment, so... Ooh, Starfield, hey? It's been out for a hot minute now. Has it been out for a month, maybe that long? Um, I'm probably played 80 to 85-ish yeah. hours or something, wow. so I'm having a good old... Crack into it. I think when I gave my first impressions and my review score, I think I gave it a nine. And I'm after eighty hours, I'm probably 
I can see how the Metacritic score of 8.5 is making a lot of sense to a lot of people. So I've probably, I think I, uh, I think my comment was, I'm happy to give it a nine at this point because I don't think I'm going to see anything in the game that I haven't already seen that would lower that score. And I, I think I'm going to eat my words a little bit on that. It, it does lose a bit of the charm after about the 50-hour mark. Things mm. start to get just a fractionally little bit repetitive. Um, maybe some of the things that I weren't too concerned about in the first 50 hours maybe, I don't know, griping me a little bit more in the second half. But besides, but having said that, still a lot of fun. Um, just little things. And again, I talked about them, the Bethesda jank. A couple of things like I'm trying to do... A lot of the faction quests, if you're familiar with any of the Bethesda games, they're all very similar. There's the faction, which is like the Thieves Guild in Skyrim, and there's one that's like the, the Fighters Guild, and they're all very similar. And after a while, they start to feel... Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of cool quests and stuff in there, but after a while, it starts feeling like a bit of a... You're just running around, and then all these loading screens and all this sort of stuff sort of takes the immersion out of the game. But having said that, a lot of fun, but definitely understand how... And why people are docking points and maybe not enjoying it as much. But yeah, 85 hours in, I'm loving it. I think a good sign that you're really enjoying as a game is that I'm eyeing off the achievements list and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I reckon this is one I'm going to 100%. Mm. Um, so that's always mm. a good indication when you want to platinum a game that you're, you're happy to put up with the grind and stuff. So yeah, flat out in Starfield and still enjoying it after 80 and a half hours, 80 five-ish hours well you heard it here first uh, listeners uh, Ferg has rescinded his uh, score of nine and substituted in an 8.5 mm. so Starfield for England James uh, alright uh, Simo <laughs> what, have, what have you been playing mate uh, well I've been playing update three of Sonic Frontiers and I finished it last night um, mm. and I, I'm going to tell you this right now um, I enjoyed about 80% of it um, there was a good 20% that I didn't care for and I'm going to tell you about it right now um, so basically um, get this so when the game came out uh, Mario Kishimoto the director of the game was given a bit of a stick on Twitter which is now called X about the difficulty of this game and it, it wasn't very difficult and it was a little bit too easy and uh, yada, yada, yada. People were like, oh, it's so easy on hard mode. Anyway, so I think Mario Kishimoto maybe just decided to put up his middle finger and put it into the nearest bumhole he could because wow. there is an unfair <laughs> difficulty <laughs> spike. <laughs> unfair difficulty spike in this game that comes sort of right towards the end. I mean, playing as Knuckles and Amy and Tails is really cool and fun, except for that they've put this filter on them that makes them look like they're, you know, stuck in a digital dimension, which really does my head in. I would have thought that after you beat the entire thing that they would have unlocked them looking nice, but they don't. Um, and that really bugs me. But... Um, yeah, there's just there's these trial towers that you go up and you get to the top and there's these extremely hard, ridiculous trials that you're going to do. And it's only until you kind of figure out what the little quip of them is that you can go through and defeat them easily. But, oh, they were just so frustrating. And then the final trial that you do, the last tower you climb, you've got to basically defeat all three of the bosses from the original game 
um, with a limited amount of rings on level one difficulty. So there's literally at that point, no point in being level 99 and everything because they just reset you and force you to go do it with only 400 rings, not even the full amount of rings that you've made for yourself in the game. And then to do that, you basically can't fuck up at all. You can't make a single mistake. You make a single mistake, you might as well just retry it. And you have to every single time go back to the very start and all and the amount of unskippable cutscenes. You can imagine how many times I went through until I uh, like watching the same shit over and over again mm. until I watched a um, a YouTube video of a guy doing it and he said put it on easy mode and I was like what was I what was I thinking so I put it on easy mode I did it and then I uh, I finished the game after then also having to look up how to do it because it doesn't explain a fucking thing to you um, and yeah it was just unfairly hard at the very end the big difficulty spikes through some of the cyberspace challenges were warranted they were fun they were challenging you could play them over and over and over again and try and find where the secret goals were and stuff like that the the cyberspace levels felt like they belonged there now which i really loved it was a big step up from what we got in the base game but it just you know it did take my kind of my thoughts on the game from i think i said from a seven to an eight but um it's uh still having said that um it just there was some bits in it that just make you go what the fuck are they thinking you know um what what a sonic team thinking this fucking shit show of a game <laughs> that i somehow really like you know oh, you see this guy? Um, but anyway see this guy? number one bullshit guy he do the wee woo yeah. wee woo yeah <laughs> Well, oh, but I had a lot of fun with it. Sorry. Yeah. So Sonic <laughs> Frontiers Update 3. All done and dusted. And I've still got Bomb Rush Cyberfunk to finish off. And um, I'm going to be uh, gagging on Sonic Superstars tomorrow. So. Well. Nice car. Excellent. And what about you, C Mac? What have you, what have you been getting into? Uh, I've been watching Seinfeld while Simon plays Sonic okay. on my phone. So that's what I've been playing. Um, no, obviously when he, he's been playing that, I can't play anything. So he's just been doing that. And uh, Super Mario Wonder is coming out Friday. Thank God. Something to play. Yes. Fucking hell, Simon. Why don't you let, uh, <clears throat> don't you let the, the, the little lady jump on and, and have a turn, eh? you, you fucking hog? She doesn't fucking want to, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Sonic, sorry. <laughs> For some reason, Casey has something against the colour blue. She's blue racist. And so anytime... I have something against this this thing moving at the speed of light. I can't... My, my ADHD brain... AD, AD, I can't even say it. You said it right the first time. Yeah, your ADHD brain. <laughs> my 80-year-old ADHD brain can't cope with this Too much going on. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, so anyway, Mario... Friday. Woo, yay. Yes. Uh, yeah, nice. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw a, a bit of a controversial uh, game into the mix because I, this week, downloaded on PS5 uh, High on Life and have jumped into that and been playing the heck out of that. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to sort of uh, summarise the game and talk about the game in isolation to obviously all the badness that went on with Justin Roiland. But um, 
but fuck me it's such a good game it's mm. it's just so funny like all the jokes and the humor and everything that you expect out of rick and morty just permeates through this whole game and just so many times i was just sitting there laughing to myself because it's just first of all it's it's actually a pretty decent shooter in its own right um but the humor and everything like i haven't felt like this about a first person shooter since duke nukem 3d uh came out uh mm. and and it was this mixture of comedy and and you know like an action shooter um which was amazing and you know i loved that game back in the day um i'm i'm nearly finished i'm well i'm pretty sure that i'm getting pretty close to the finish of this game but um just uh i wanted to call out I'm, I'm at a point now where i'm trying to do a side quest and every time i get to a certain point in the mission the game crashes on me <laughs> and it's oh, almost in exactly the same spot every time and it's a side quest i really wanted to complete because it, it fleshes out a, a part of the story that that i'm interested in and so now i'm gonna have to just give up on that part of the story in order to progress the game any further but um it's That's a shame it, it is a shame <clears throat> but the the game is just so so disgusting in so many ways as well like there's a there's a gun and and all of the guns that you get in the game um are actually living creatures they're called the gatlians mm. and uh like you start off with with a, a gun that's like a pistol and you know he's he sounds essentially like morty from rick and morty like almost to the to the t mm. uh but later on in the game you get it you get a a gun that's called creature and he fires off these little uh like little characters that go and attack the enemies like and you can shoot you know five or six of them at a time and they're similar to like um the gloves of doom in um ratchet and clank and um to put the gun on your hand it looks like a giant asshole and you actually have to insert your hand into the asshole of the gun to like hold onto it and hold the trigger it's um it's really gross but like it, it's just it's just so funny like that they put things like that in the game like um yeah i i would say if you're a big fan of rick and morty and i understand it's probably not super trendy to be a fan of rick and morty at the moment um you would no, love you know what you would I'm love gonna, this I'm game call bullshit on that jb i think you know what if you if if people can't because look, look he co-created the show right if you look into it dan Harmon, who wonderfully created uh the amazing community is the heart and soul of this fucking thing so it, whether or not people want to think that they're being moral and not wanting to like Rick and Morty anymore just because of Justin Roiland's original involvement in the show, he hadn't written on the show for a good, I think, for, I want to say five years. So just fucking enjoy the shit you enjoy. And even though look, he was that, he, the allegations against him were dropped anyway. So just enjoy the shit you want to enjoy. You know, yeah. people still listen to Michael Jackson. I'm going to keep bringing that up. Michael Jackson was an undisputed legend of pop. Nobody knows whether or not he did or did not do the things that he did, but he was. there was a lot of allegations thrown around. I still really love Billie Jean. Good song. Thriller's <laughs> yeah. a fucking uh, a masterpiece of an album. 
we've got to separate the artist from the art at some point and i'm just that's my two cents for the day so i'm you who gives well, a fuck about the controversy enjoy what you enjoy in in summary then simo um whilst i don't um condone any of the things that justin roiland is accused of whether he did or didn't commit any of these things um i'm really enjoying the game high on life um on playstation it seems to run really good it apart from these these issues with hard crashes occasionally it's not like cyberpunk bad but it's it's annoying like it it has Mm. crashed you know half a dozen times on me uh, so there's there's obviously some issues there that they need to patch out of the game, but honestly, the the humour and and everything in it just makes it an absolute must play if um if you're a fan of that uh, that genre and not everyone will be. So uh, there you fucking go. There you go. Uh, well, on that <coughs> note, it is time for the bloody news headlines. If I can just find the bloody button to, to fire off the music. It's stalling. Um, building the suspense. Oh, fuck. Where, where did I put that? Oh. oh here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Coming to you live from my mouth. <laughs> yes. Over to you, Simone. Fucking here I come, everyone. Uh, not in that way, but anyway. I'm going to come. Got that one on you. Tap that one. That one's ready to go. Holy shit. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Oh, wow. What a way to start news this week. Not good pop-off. Um, why did I say pop-off? I, I say the F word, the D word, the S word, the C word on this show, yet I don't say pop-off. I don't say fast. I said pop-off. Oh, my God. Kids. Oh, yeah, because, the, yeah, it's a good point. Anyway, um, well, here I go. Uh, look, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Look, allegations of a work environment that could only be described as toxic have come out about Gollum developer... Daedalic game. Not only only were staff working under an atmosphere of fear from CEO Carsten Fitchelman, what a fucking name that guy has, but the company. (laughs) Sounds like a Bond villain. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sounds like a Bond villain with a fist up his ass. Um, (laughs) But the company didn't even budget to pay employees a proper wage often forcing interns to work themselves to the bone taking advantage of their desire to perform well in the hopes of landing a job in the industry they love to make matters worse for the public's perception of the already low standard we have for this developer it was revealed this week that daedalic games enlisted the help of chat gpt to write their apology statement when golem released to a less than precious reception earlier this year if you're wondering why there wasn't a hell of a lot of jokes in that news headline it's because those fucking clowns that ran the company are jokes and they should all be ashamed feel like fucking garbage for what they did. Next up. Next up. Get out the size six dress because PS5 just lost 30% of its body fat. You heard me correctly. The PS5 Slim was announced this week with a shocking 30% reduction in size. So now instead of... 
instead of your PS5 looking like White Lizzo, it now looks like White Taylor Swift, otherwise known as just Taylor Swift. Anyway, I hope you like your Taylor Swift lying down because, uh, anyway, uh, to make her stand up is going to cost you extra. That's right. This time around, um, you know, you have to pay extra money to get your PS5 Slim to stand up. They're charging more for the for the stand. Um, when, bizarrely, Lizzo will stand up on her own, even though she looks like Jabba the Hutt with a microphone. Simon. Oh. Emotional <laughs> damage. We have a Lizzo joke in there for everyone. Huh? Nobody? <laughs> <laughs> what? So what? Lizzo. Anyway. <laughs> Next up. How many bells? How many bells do you have? Because Animal Crossing Lego is coming our way this year with little known detail at the moment, but a sneak peek popping up on YouTube this week. Uh, with fan favourites joining the Lego fund, there is no word on how much you'll have to pay the proverbial Tom Nook to secure your blocky slice of this cosy Lego. We asked Lego what to expect from the Animal Crossing Lego, and they had this to say. The crippling debt you feel in-game will become more apparent in real life when you purchase... Uh, no, we, oh, sorry. We even purchased a raccoon dressed in a sweater vest. Gave it a line of cocaine and made him CEO just to make it feel authentic. So there you go. They're really going for the crippling debt side of things um, with with the Lego, uh, which is great. Um, hey, uh, it's a this guy, Kevin Afghani. Everyone is your new Super Mario. I'm yes, back. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> I fucking love that soundbite. Kevin took to X this week to make his reveal with a post that reads, incredibly proud to have voiced Mario and Luigi in Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Thanks to Nintendo for inviting me into the Flower Kingdom. Afghani will also be voicing the talking flowers in the game. And although Kevin's voice acting resume is quite concise, he has been a part of some major franchises such as Dragon Ball R&R and Genshin Impact. When we DM'd Kevin, he mentioned to us, I couldn't wait to let everyone know I'm deep inside Mario, at least a couple of inches and loving every minute of it. I'm not sure I got the right Kevin. I think I got a different Kevin. Uh, but anyway, um, dust Presumably the wrong pants. Mario too, Simo. Uh... Yeah, uh, it's a very different Mario. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, dust off your axe, motherfuckers, because Guitar Hero is making a comeback, allegedly. Uh, well, wow. I mean, Bobby Kotick mentioned it in an interview about Microsoft and their capabilities for new technologies. Kotick, after attempting to stick his index finger and middle finger into his receptionist, said, the re-emergence of Guitar Hero and other things would not be possible without the different types of resources. And so, you know, just the endless possibilities for the future that are just incredibly exciting. Whatever that means. Anyway, fans are anticipating this comment made by Kotick could be hinting the comeback for the game all about fingering. However, there are no further announcements or details to truly confirm it, uh, if this is in the pipeline or not. Um, as to how far Bobby stuck his fingers up there, that's a different matter entirely uh, in the pipeline. It's because of uh, the sexual allegations made against Bobby Kotick, everyone. That was a Bobby Kotick joke. Um, 
I've really hit hard this week. Lizzo joke, Bobby Kotick joke. Um, still, anyway, still on Activision and My- Microsoft. And this week, it's been made Facebook official. Activision and Microsoft are now in a relationship. While most eyes are focused on the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 beta, it seems Phil Spencer celebrated the deal by playing Vampire Survivor. Reports saying he is just trying to plan for anything after hearing that Bobby Kotick was allegedly, and I quote, blood-sucking vampire who doesn't drain from the neck, if you know what I mean. Uh, anyways. <laughs> fucking hell. I, I, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> Bobby Kotick in here. Uh, anyway. Uh, number seven, the Lord of the F- Lords of the Fallen reboot has released this week. Uh, the Souls-like reboot of the 2014 game of the exact same name, which isn't confusing at all, has suffered an average reception due to poor performance. Most critics praising the game for its visual a- um, visuals and for its interesting game mechanics, people just can't get past its technical issues, which seem to be something plaguing uh, most big-budget releases in 2023. Although 76 on Metacritic is nothing to sneeze at, these issues still um, have caused CI Games stock to plummet 18% after the launch, with critics saying, if you can't get your Dark Souls rip-off to run at 60 FPS without a major technical issue at launch, launch it into the fucking sun. Uh, and that, anyway, yeah. Um, it was funny the first time around, Simon. Anyway. Um... Last but not least, the music of Stardew Valley is coming to Australia. Stardew Valley Festival of Seasons is coming to Sydney on April 20th, 2024, with tickets going on sale Friday the 20th of October at 11am Sydney time, which will be 10.30am for all of our friends in South Australia. Fans can expect the music of Stardew Valley to be performed by a chamber orchestra, giving new life to the MIDI sounds of Stardew Valley. We reached out to fans of the podcast to hear what they thought about this news, and one guy told me this. Sounds good. (laughs) And that's your news headlines for the week. (laughs) Did you learn something new? What did you hear? Was it news? Was it a week old? I don't know. Oh, still he's giving me some homework. I've been under a, a rock bigger than the one that C-Mac's been under, apparently. Who's Lizzo? Never heard of her. She's uh, an American uh, rapper, singer, and uh, the, the, the subject of a range of allegations that have come out recently of uh, fairly bad behaviour from a star and the way that she treats her staff. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yes, uh, not really sure on the, the status of said allegations, <laughs> but it's uh, it's another, like, Ellen DeGeneres-type situation. Uh, I see. Uh, yeah. Oh. Mm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The world's full of them. The mm. world's full of them. Bloody. Yeah, allegations and Lizzo's. Mm. Bloody heaps of news I thought you were going to ask who Taylor Swift was. I know Taylor <laughs> Swift. I'm a bit of a Swifty myself. What, personally? No, not personally, but... You know. Well, I do. I know it personally. Oh my gosh. <gasps> yeah. Um. Lot of lot of news this week. The uh, PlayStation. What would you? Because JB's looking at me. What would you pay for a uh, a PS5 Slim stand, JB? For just the stand. <laughs> yeah. 
that you don't now get with your PS5 Slim. I don't know, mate. 20 bucks? Mate. Come on, this is this is bloody PlayStation. So was it oh, was there any was there anything wrong with the original stand of the PS5? No, no. It, I thought it was quite sturdy. Do you, do you now, know how much it costs? I do this, know how much guessing? it costs. This is the price is right. JB's not very close. Thirty nine. Not close. Hey, go on, Steely. What is it? Uh, uh, is it going to be? Is it seventy nine dollars? Fifty bucks for a stand. I, Fuck. Uh, this this new iteration oh, of the, <clears throat> the PlayStation. Off. Oh, yeah. Off. oh yeah, thirty nine. You're pretty close. <laughs> Sorry, C mate, you went that far off. Um yeah, thirty percent smaller, that's fantastic. But they're slogging you more for it. And really the only difference is the size. Shouldn't it be cheaper? There's less materials. There's a slightly bigger um SSD. I think they've gone from eight hundred gigabytes to a terabyte or something. But yeah. Bloody PlayStation. It's it any opportunity. The shit out of me. Yeah, it's- just some of um, Sony's uh, Sony's kind of business decisions in the last, I'd like to say, eighteen months has been utterly baffling to me. It feels like that you know, I, f- I feel like it is just um, very anti-consumer, and um, you know, you look at someone like. Uh, Phil Spencer, who, you know, obviously says whack stuff like good games won't sell his systems, which I think is just brain dead in my in my mind. But he still, I think, cares a bit more about the people that are playing the games and the people that are trying to support his service. Uh, uh, maybe. I, I just, that's what it feels like. Whereas I feel like, you know, even though Jim Ryan's leaving soon, I just feel like la- as of late, and I might not even just be Jim Ryan as a whole, it's probably the whole organisation to a degree. I feel like they're just kind of starting to gouge a bit, you know? Mm. You know, these games cost us something like around 90 bucks if you, you know, get them from Big W most of the time, maybe even 100 bucks uh, for, for one of these games. Uh, the system itself, you know, even though we traded in a PS4 and we got it, you know, for free basically because we traded in a bundle of games with it as well. But I can't remember how much that cost at launch. It was not cheap. And then, and then to then pay a, a yearly subscription, which now they want you to pay $200 for, uh, when does it stop? Like how much money do you want to take into this company until somebody calls out uh, bullshit? I think you're gouging us a little bit. Mm. Um, it's just mental to me. Crazy. So, all right, Steely, I, I, I want to play devil's advocate here and provide a counterpoint to your your comments because uh, this week uh, PlayStation did um, a bit of a bit of a reveal. I, I'm not sure if it's actually on sale yet or not, but they have released uh, what they've titled the Access Controller. Mm. Now, this particular controller has been custom built from the ground up to be used by people with disabilities. And the way that Sony describe it, it's what you're buying is not just a controller, it's it's a like a controller kit. And they've got different size buttons that you can fit to the controller. They've got different like size caps that you can put on the uh, thumbsticks to make them easier to to play like depending on the nature of your disability, um, etc. They've also uh, made it so, like some people with certain disabilities, uh, for example, haven't got the strength in their arms to actually hold the controller up. So they they've customised it and they've 
made it so it'll mount onto like the tray that they have with uh, wheelchairs or on the arm of a wheelchair. They've gone all out and, and they've consulted pretty closely with people from the disability community to make sure that um, what they're putting together is sort of fit for purpose and, and, and everything. And as a result, uh, for the first time, I think, ever, uh, a video game company has now been able to bring in a whole bunch of players that previously just couldn't play video games because of the nature of their disability. And now those people are going to get to experience games like God of War and The Last of Us and all the the Sony PlayStation you know, library of, of all the games that we've known and loved for years and years. So um, what do you think about that? I Look, I think that that is excellent and it's heartwarming. Do I think, and, and I think that it's wonderful for a massive portion of the community that I think will not only get an, an immense amount of enjoyment out of playing those games um, and... And a, a massive amount of fulfillment, and um, also, you know, probably something that's really quite good for them mentally as well just to be able to experience things like that, um, which have that amount of interactivity and can transport you somewhere else with all of the issues that people that are working with disabilities every day need to deal with. However, I feel like that and the rest of PlayStation's consumerism sort of ploy they're almost unrelated. You know, if you think of just the everyday kind of aspect, I I start to feel like that, it, you know, just, just because they've gone and done one really lovely thing doesn't make me any less pissed off that I have to now cancel PlayStation Plus because it is insanely expensive. And um, it, that it makes me kind of feel like, oh, well, now, you know, there's going to be a handful of games that are going to require me to go online to do certain things that I feel like I can't do anymore. There's going to be a handful of games that, I mean, that I already play that I'm probably not going to go back and play maybe once every so often if I get it for a couple of months at a time. Um, I think for the everyday consumer, we're just getting shafted a little bit. Um, that's kind of where my my sort of thought process is coming from. I Again, I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing that they've done. And I think every company does great things and bad things. I, th I think, you know, it's the same with Nintendo. I absolutely love Nintendo, but I think their online service module where they basically hide behind playing legacy content behind a sort of a subscription paywall does my head in. Like I'd like to just be able to go back and play some Nintendo 64 games and then I have to upgrade my service and I can't upgrade my service unless it's a family service because in then case, you know, I won't be able to play Mario Kart online if I only make it a single service and it does my head in. You know, mm. there's these little little things that could just make stuff a little bit better um, for the consumer, but I feel like that sometimes, you know, maybe, uh, and I might be being a bit ignorant on this, you know, a little bit too out of touch with what, uh, the costs um, are involved in a lot of this stuff, but it kind of just feels like it's um hey we've got a, they've got a massive install base now, and I just think are you not just kind of ripping people a little bit now, or just trying to take some extra coins? Um, but yeah, 
Well, I mean, it's uh, some interesting points that you make there, Simo, but I I would ask the question, is is this uh, perceived treatment from PlayStation enough to put you off the console altogether? Is it enough to drive you running into the arms of, uh, you know, Phil Spencer uh, and, uh, you know, uh, get yourself a, a brand new Xbox Series X uh on which well, no, you can, because, uh, play. No, because PlayStation has, you know, PlayStation has Mayfair and Park Lane, you know. At the end of the day, they have the monopoly when it comes to um, first-party titles. I can't play those first-party titles on an Xbox. And if I had an Xbox, I'd be getting it because I wanted to play Call of Duty. If I was just a Call of Duty nut, I'd go, oh, well, yeah, I'll get an Xbox. I don't care. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, is that... I, I, that's not what I want that for. I get consoles because I like the games that I can play on them. And arguably, I could go and play a lot of PlayStation games on PC now. There, it's almost not a true exclusive console now, apart from the Nintendo system. So a Nintendo Switch or whatever comes next after that. However, um, it's it's purely because I enjoy those experiences. But it doesn't. It still doesn't make me any less mad at the way that I'm being treated as a consumer of that device. Mm. It still pisses me off. So, um, all right, um, <clears throat> Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. If yes. you, I mean, you, you're a proud owner of a PlayStation Five console yourself. Um, I think you've you've either dabbled in or, or currently have a subscription to one of the premium uh, PlayStation Plus services. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, the the recent price hikes and and the behaviour of Sony as a company in general? Are you, you disillusioned as a customer, as a loyal customer, or uh, are you you just blind to it all and just want to just keep forging on regardless? Um, <clears throat> similar to echo what Steely said, you know, I obviously have no understanding of the metrics behind what they charge and why they charge. I think the only point I was really trying to make is why for a slightly different variant of the same thing, being a slightly slimmer with a slightly bigger hard drive, are we getting charged more? Um, that's probably the only real point. I'm trying to make as far as <clears throat> some of the subscriptions and stuff. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I renewed my deluxe um, PlayStation plus service or whatever it was a couple of months ago, which got me in at the 150 bucks or whatever it was. And I did that knowing that it's going to jump up in November or something to 200. Now, again, if yeah, you're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? If you want to play PlayStation games, that's what you're going to have to pay. You can pay the, the lower tiers, but if you want to have access to their full catalogue of um, library of games and stuff, then you don't really have any options. Um, and they're all following a similar trend, like games across the board are all, all going up. It doesn't really matter if you're Team Switch or Team, Team Nintendo or Team PlayStation or Xbox. Everything's going up, and we've seen it in PC gaming I'm starting to notice that most new games are sort of... I mean, Starfield, as an example, is 120 bucks. This is just the new norm. It's it's not going to go back the other way. Um, and it's just the cost of, you know, doing business, I suppose. I suppose, you know, there's always going to be savvy ways to, you know, make your money go a bit bit further. But the reality is it's just where everything's heading. Um, yeah, I suppose people just will, going forward, will just have to be a bit more selective around... 
you know, where they're going to put their money and think about it a bit harder. You know, for me, I'm probably not really getting full value out of a deluxe subscription to PlayStation, if I'm being honest. So at the end of this $150 year, I'll probably be cancelling it because I just can't justify spending that much money on a service which I don't see full value out of. Um, that's probably where I sit. Um, and, you know, I think that makes perfect sense because mm. if uh, if you feel like you're not getting your money's worth, just cancel it. And if Correct. enough people cancel or downgrade their services, well, Sony will be forced to rethink their strategy once again. But I think that the quality of the games that are going on to the games mm. catalogue that's included in the the uh, the extra tier, um, I think many of them... Uh, are great games like I just saw like this month the Callisto Protocol got added to it now I don't know that it's a great game but it's a fairly new game and like hasn't been out that long and I've heard that uh, and look you can argue that it's it's a shit game or it's not a premium game but Gotham Knights is about to be released as a free monthly game uh, I think next next month um, so there's some quite new games that are being added to it that you can download, try out. I mean, would I have bought Gotham Knights um, with my own money? Fuck no. Uh, but will I try it out when it's for free and, you know, I've, I've got no, you know, harm in giving it a go? Yeah, I might. Mm. Um, so I think what it does do is it enables you to have a go at certain games that you perhaps otherwise wouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think what is it, one hundred and fifty dollars now for PlayStation Plus Extra, one hundred and fifty nine, round that mark. So you know, two or three games. If you play two or three games off that service for the year, well, that's pretty much paid for itself. Mm. And I've tried out quite a few amazing games as a result of being on that system where I've downloaded Returnal. Um, Things like um, uh, oh, was uh, the other one, uh, um, Tsushima, um, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. Uh, another amazing game, like great game. I hadn't got around to playing it. it. Was sort of one of those games that was vaguely on my my to do list, but just hadn't got around to it. Um, saw it was on there, so I was like, yeah, I'll grab that, and mm. yeah, loved it. Brilliant mm. game. So. Yeah, I mean, I think Sony need to keep putting games on there to keep things interesting. Like, there's a lot of... When you go through the the full catalogue, there's a lot of uh, filler in there, uh, in my opinion. Like, um, And apologies to any game developers who uh, fall under that category. But, um, but you know, there's, there's games on there that I'd, I'd probably never play. There's a lot of, like anime dating simulators there's a lot of like games mm. that are aimed at like real little kids like you know Paw Patrol games and Peppa Pig and stuff like that uh, and you know I'm never going to play most of those games um, unless the kids pretty much you know ask me to, to download them or, or whatever but um, but you know then there's other indie titles on there that that I probably wouldn't have played and I'll download them give them a go and they're they're great so, um, yeah, I I don't disagree with you, Steely, um, but I think the only way that we can send a real message to uh, PlayStation is to vote with our wallets and 
you know, either cancel or downgrade these subscriptions if we're not feeling like we're getting the, the value. Mm-hmm. And it's no different to Games yeah. Pass or Nintendo Switch Online or any of these other premium services if we're not feeling like... Because, like, I, I did try out the Nintendo Switch Online package so I could play some of the vintage SNES and, and NES games and stuff like that. And, you know, there was a couple of bangers on there. But to be honest with you, compared to the catalogue that came out on the the Wii Virtual Console, um, mm. I think that the offering on Nintendo Switch Online is is pretty poor in comparison. It's slim pickings, in it, isn't it? And, and the fact is, is, as well, you can't just pay for the ones that you want. You've got to kind of sit there and and just kind of, you know, be drip-fed drip these titles from, you know, sometimes not even month to month. Sometimes with, with Nintendo's online module, the biggest issue with their whole online module is that it's kind of haphazard and random when things come out and you never know when they will. There's never, hey, we've got this game coming out on Nintendo Switch Online next month and doesn't continuously remind people of the value of the service. Mm. And I think the... And look, you're right, Joel, in in a lot of ways that, yeah, if you do play two or even three games on that service, you're going to get your money back. And and, and obviously, it means that your money is well spent. Um, I would argue that if you play those two or three games to completion, your money is well spent. And But I'd also argue as well um, from that standpoint that a lot of the games that are on there are still the PS4 games. And I mean, I don't really go looking at a next generation online service that comes with a catalogue of games for it to be old games that I've already played because me as somebody that I would would almost at this point consider myself a veteran PlayStation player. I've been playing for many, many, many years now. I've I've spammed as much as I could all the games that are on PS3 and, um, and played everything that I possibly could on PS4. There is not much incentive for me to go there and play those games again, unless I have nothing else to play, but I'm, uh, as as somebody that was looking forward to this generation of consoles, I'm desperate for something new and something new from the developers that I love because I don't want to go and play their games a third or fourth time around again. And, um, you know, some of those games I have played twice and I've revisited again. And that's the thing I think that, that sort of bugs me. And I, I know that, you know, especially this year, having played Stray and Cheer, um, which were two games that were free day one from release. Um, well, I say free, but you pay for the service in order to play them. So they're not really free. I'd, I'd, assume, I'd, I'd really argue that they are kind of, you know, hey, I, I paid whatever it was, 150 or something for the year, and I got those games as a part of that. So they might have been discounted, you know, but um, at the end of the day, I don't own those games either. And what I really like about buying games physically is that I can take them back and make a slight return on them to go towards the next thing that I want to play if I don't think I'm going to go play them again. So it kind of feels like that I've, you know, you're putting this money in and getting no return on investment on it. And when it's gone, it's gone, you know, and and it's done. And that something about that that just has always bugged me. Same with streaming services and stuff um, that, you kind of feel beholden to being a part of them because if you're not, you're, you're on the outside. And I think that that's really frustrating. That's the f- most frustrating part about the way that these service modules are going. You can't just go, hey, I just want to subscribe to being able to utilize the online features. No, it has to come with all these other things. 
and then you have to pay this premium price in order to be a part of it. And the only thing that I want from it is the online, you know, same thing with Nintendo, even though that's arguably much, much cheaper. Um, I've said arguably a lot, haven't I? There's a big argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's these are the things that bug me. There is no choice for me to just play the games online and pay for the online part of the service, which I think would be something. I mean, obviously, they, they want to get as much money as they can out of you, but it's still that to me is a more pro-consumer sort of way of looking at this entire thing. I think I've talked enough. Fucking hell. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's head into this week's novelty segment. I know what boys like. I know what guys want. I know what boys like. Boys like. Boys like me. Bill Gates and a horse. Yeehaw. <laughs> well, this week uh, we thought we'd uh, dive back down the rabbit hole of retro gaming and uh, have a look at uh, what what is our most played or favourite console of all time. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty difficult question to, to answer, really, but uh, we're going to fucking give it a go. And we're going to start with Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. What What's your most played slash favourite console? I'm going to go, well, most played, probably this next one I'm about to announce, but definitely probably my favourite thus far as favourite um, consoles. And that's none other than the Xbox 360. What an, <laughs> a, what an absolute cracking console. Um, it's a banger. Yeah. Look, love the name, straight up. I mean, Microsoft missed... The, they've done lots of dumb things in the history of uh, Microsoft and their dabble into gaming, but calling the Xbox One the Xbox One and not the Xbox 720 was the dumbest thing they've ever done. That was the biggest hit and miss <laughs> I've ever seen. So, yeah, the Xbox 360, what an absolute cracking console. Elite design, there was a few iterations of it, and by the time they got to the end, it was... It was such a schmick-looking console. It started out, if you can remember, it was the white, blocky, a little bit rounded. Um, With the uh, the ever-present red ring of death. Yeah. Uh, that I, would, had, uh, I got to enjoy the red ring of death. I had, a, I think I had two or maybe three Xbox 360s over my time. Maybe only two. I, I had the red ring of death, which killed my first one. But, you know, <laughs> it was a nice-looking console and vertical standing as well. I think up till that point, no one had really done the vertical standing thing. I didn't even know if the PS3 was vertical standing, was it? Uh, unless maybe, unless yeah. you had a stand, it was. Yeah, yeah no, okay. You could stand the, the. I mean, yeah. The one that I had was the the real fat PS3, and yeah. that that would stand on its end pretty comfortably. Yeah, okay. you could even uh, rotate the little PlayStation logo on the front to oh, yeah. orient yeah, it yeah, the right that. way to. Uh, you know, if you did decide to stand it up. So, yeah, yeah nice so it little was, touch. Yeah, so it was in design. Standing up, I thought was really cool. Probably one of the best controllers, I think, have been around thus far as far as a, uh, you know, like a base controller that came with with the console. Obviously, these days they're releasing Elites and all these, you know, wigged out controllers that cost, you know, it's half as much as a console. But the actual standalone controller was fantastic. And till this day, I shit you not, I'm still using Xbox 360 controllers with my PC for all of my gaming. Um, wow. So it was a great iteration. Standing the test of time. <clears throat> That's it. The first, the original Xbox controller was 
huge. It was actually yeah, quite was comfortable to hold I'll hold on to. It felt good in your hands, but it was quite big and heavy. And that 360 controller really just, you know, shrunk it all down and was much more compact. Fantastic controller. Um, the multiplayer side of things was pretty much ran perfectly. Xbox Live was always a good experience. Never remember having any issues with server and stuff like that. I remember, I think it was the, uh, what do they call it? It was the PSN hack. I don't know if you guys remember this. I think it was 2011 when PlayStation had all those issues with their server getting compromised. And I think mm. it was down for, go here yeah. in my notes, it was down for 24 days. So, why PlayStation, as good as the PS3 was, they were dealing with some issues as far as server and stuff like that. The Xbox never had any issues. It was always, always run really well. Um, I used to love the avatars, you know, the introduction of things like your gamer score and ga- game achievements was fantastic. Had a really cool UI, great startup sound. You know, mm. we're talking fantastic startup sound. And sort of picking back off some of the comments that Simon was making earlier around sort of what we're dealing with as gamers, This, these were the glory days of gaming. So the 360 was out from 2005 to 2013 was when it f- fell off the uh, manufacturing run. Mm. And... I'm going to start sounding like a crazy old man. If I was sort of saying this stuff out loud in the street these days, someone would come and lock me up, I reckon. But do you remember the days when you would buy a game on launch, you'd stick it in your console and you'd be playing a complete and finished game within like an hour period? It was... Yes. And the game wasn't broken. It was a fully finished game. Like Mm. off the shelf, it was good to go. Like... Very rarely were games not released in a fully finished sort of form. Um, and in majority of cases, they were like polished. They were good to go. There was no issues. Um, this was back in the time where games had meaningful campaigns to them. Long gone are the days now where you've got, you know, your first person shooters that don't even bother with a campaign. I'm talking like Call of Duty. Um, sorry, Call of Duty still does it. Battlefield, they just gave all this stuff away. All the games that came out in this time period always started with the single-player campaign or a version in mind from the get-go. Games that came with DLC actually had DLC that was worth your money, that was meaningful, that would actually add a considerable amount to an already finished and good game. Mm. I think of all of um, the Fallout games in particular, those Bethesda games, for 20, 30 bucks, you'd get another 20, 30 hours of something that would act like really take the game to a completely different level. Um, Not so much these days. Back in the days of, you know, midnight releases, going down to EB games at midnight, lining up with hundreds of other people, all excited to get a game that you would go home and stick in your control into your console and play straight away. Split screen. Anyone remember split screen? Oh, fuck yeah. You go around to your mate's place with your games in your hand and your controller and you just sit around a TV and play a bit of split screen Halo. It was was the greatest. Um, Or in the case of uh, GoldenEye, the (laughs) four-way split screen. (laughs) Yeah. And then as far as Microsoft and some of the games they put out during this, this time period, I've got a big list here. I won't read them all of them, but some of the, you know, this is the pinnacle of Microsoft exclusives, I think, during this era. So, games such as Forza Motorsport. So, 2, 3, 4, Horizon came out as well. We had probably the best of the Gears of War games. We had Crackdown 1 and 2, 
Project Gotham Racing, which was an original Xbox game. I think there was I think the fourth one came out during this this period, which was great. The original Saints Row game was a Microsoft Xbox exclusive, which was, you know, a really interesting take on a sort of a genre of games that was heavily dominated by Grand Theft Auto at that point. We had Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. We had Viva Pinata. Ooh. Viva Pinata. What a game. One and two. Any we got some what how's the remaster of this game going? We need to bring this thing back. If you've uh, if you've never played Viva Pinata, what an absolute classic. I can't I think the premise <laughs> of the game was you had a garden and you were trying to attract pinatas to it. And then I think you would they would mate and then you'd send them off to birthday parties to get smashed up or something. I can't remember, but yeah. fantastic game. <laughs> and as far as intros to video games, an absolute cracker. You hear, you see a uh, what does he say? There's a, a pinata hedgehog that says, oh, fudge, in the intro. And then you get a a, a pinata bear that gives you about 15 seconds of the best dance moves I've ever seen. Go and look this up. Cracking game. Cracking start to a game. But that was a whole lot of fun um, and an Xbox exclusive. Obviously, Alan Wake, the long-awaited sequels coming out very, very soon. But the original dropped on the uh, Xbox 360 back in the day. Fable 2, another game. How many years has it been? Microsoft fanboys are screaming out for the follow-up to some classic Fable games that were released during the Xbox 360 exclusives. And then none other than probably, I mean, Halo 3 is up there as one of the best games in the series. The amount of hours I spent playing that game and then including Halo Reach, which came out, and then the shift to Halo 4, which was also a, a good game, came out during this time period. So the Xbox 360, fantastic console and sort of what I think are the glory days of gaming where uh, things were uh, so much nicer and easier. Got to say, Yeah. Not, not to say that um, the video games that are coming out this day and age are no good. 2023 is going to go down as one of the best years of gaming of all time. But back in then, there was the ratio to between hits and flops. It was a lot more leaning towards the hits, whereas now you're getting equally amazing games and equally unbelievably shit games. Um, mm. But anyway, the Xbox well, yeah. 360. All right. Well, thank you for that, Ferg. What about uh, Simon Steely McLaughlin? What... Uh what oh. console was your most played slash favourite? Is it the PS5? Karma, Karma, Karma <laughs> Chameleon. Oh, fuck PS5. Uh, you mean the PS4 Pro 2? Yeah, the um, PS5 anyway, Slim. Uh, <laughs> I'm being really rough on PlayStation, but I, I, I love it. Anyway, but anyway. Um, look, uh, an honourable mention, and this is a, a bit of a, a console and its peripheral that comes that you can buy that goes with it. But the GameCube and the Super Game Boy Advance, what a fucking, what a joyride that was! I tell you, um, absolutely fantastic. I used to love the GameCube until uh, my beautiful brother um, convinced me that we had to get rid of it in order to play GTA. Boy, did my eyes open up! Um, I, I went from. I went from punching Link and making him fly off screen as like, and with Mario to shooting prostitutes and, um, and trying to run away from the law. Well, that um, is the natural progression of uh, of things. It is the natural. It is natural. Only natural to do stuff like you know. First one day you're playing Mario, the next day you're, you know, getting a 
<laughs> blowjob in your in your car and in your speedster and then killing someone to get your money back. What anyway, about what about um, when you're playing Grand Theft Auto though, Steely? Hey? <laughs> oh, much the same. I like to relive my real life experiences virtually. Uh, anyway, um, hiya. Um, However, that's just a bit of an honourable mention. Now, I have a feeling my wife is going to say the same thing because we had a bit of a brief talk about this beforehand. But I just want to kind of give you a bit of a preamble to it. Everyone talks about the DS, about, oh, it's amazing, two screens, whoa, blow your mind, touchpad, fucking backwards compatible with the Game Boy Advance. And all those things are excellent, but nobody talks quite as much about its successor which is the Nintendo 3DS. Um, and the reason why I brought this up... Sorry, I know that you're going to shake your head at me. No, because I was going to say the same. I know, one. but I, just let me finish. I love you. <laughs> um, let me finish. Just let me finish. The 3DS is the best. <laughs> the re- Look, I've got a couple of reasons why I love the 3DS. One, um, it, it's the first sort of handheld game console that I purchased after about maybe four or five years away from playing games. Um, I I remember it was the first thing that I bought. I, I was, again, a similar story to when I bought my PS3, but I was doing a kid's show at the time, had a bit of a disposable income, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting back into this shit. Uh, I want to play my Mario Kart 7. I want to play, you know, Zelda Ocarina of Time. I want to play Super Mario 3D Land. Um Oh, just fuck me. What what a system at that point in time and the amount of amazing games that came out on this thing. You know, Majora's Mask 3D, uh, Link Between Worlds, um, Fantasy Life, uh, even games like Ever Oasis, one of the most underrated um, Mario uh, Party sort of games, which I think is Mario Party Star Rush, purely because of one mode that Casey and I really love to play on it. Um, there's just a, an endless amount. I mean, you got your, you got your Mario Tennis, your Mario Golf, you got fucking Mario everything on there. Luigi's Mansion One and Two is on this game uh, on this system. You know, you one. Can, one is on there. Thank you very much. One was uh, demaked onto it. Um, you'd better believe it. It's definitely there. We don't have it, but it's there. Ah. Um, but this system is. Uh, and still to this day, one of, I think, Nintendo's greatest triumphs, an absolute dog's breakfast when it comes to um, navigating the online store, an absolute dog's breakfast when it comes to na- navigating the actual system menu to uh, where to put your games into certain files. It just looks like a big mess, um, which is something that Nintendo still hasn't seemed to iron out is the functionality and the ease of use of their menus. However, um what what a console the the 3D and especially in the new 3DS XL which is my pick out of the whole 3DS family uh, the bigger screen the 3D was a lot more um, uh, adaptive to where your head was so it wasn't as kind of you know tilt your head one way and it's all gone and looks terrible um, you know some of those games really did perform quite well in 3D and I'm looking at Super Mario 3D Land which really took advantage of that console you know there were some levels where you had to play it with a 3D on in order to get the full scope of it um, which I really loved hey you can even play Hyrule Warriors on this thing um, it, di- it didn't run very well 
Was, mm. you know, ran like uh, if you reckon that any other th- third party game runs at potato on the Nintendo Switch, this was running at fucking mash. <laughs> it, it was just, it, it was just like, you know, it was just kind of there. Um, but you could, it was there, and um, you know, we even got a Smash Brothers on this fucking thing. It was absolutely amazing. But I'd tell you the one reason why. And I could go on about it all day, but the one reason why this is actually my favourite console um, of all time is, and uh, now this is going to sound really soppy of me, but I came home from work one night and um, I walked, I say home, I was at this place in Glenelg and I walked through the door and um, on the couch was this super hot, amazing (laughs) girl and... Um, my housemate goes, oh, this is my friend Casey. Um, she's really into Nintendo. And I instantly started to get hot flushes and I go over to the fridge and I grabbed, uh, like, this is a bad look, and I grabbed out some American honey and I think I drank it out of the bottle because I was extremely nervous <laughs> to be in the presence of this this creature. And I put it back <laughs> in the fridge um, and then I, I grabbed another drink out as a chaser and I sat down and, and I kind of said, oh, so what have you been what have you been playing? Trying to play it cool. Mm. And then um, Casey gave you a bit of impressive cock. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, Casey said that she'd literally gotten the console. Oh, look, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Anyway, Casey literally got the the console to play uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, which was a complete dog's breakfast. And so me just wanting to make a good impression on this this girl basically grabbed every 3DS game I owned. I haven't even finished playing half of them yet. Um, and I just said, here, take them all. Play them all. you got to play everything. Play play Mario. Play Mario Kart. Just Take them all, play as many as you like, and um, and and bring bring them back to me when you finish, or don't. And um, <laughs> you know, um, the rest is history. From that point, I'm I met the love of my life and bonded with her in the very first moments of us meeting each other over the Nintendo 3DS, and mm. that's why I'll never forget that console because we have had so many. Inc- Incredible memories of sitting in bed playing, you know, Donkey Kong Country, or you know, going away on holidays and playing Mario Party, and all the things that I feel like in this part of my life that console has been there, and um, and I just find that to be really special, and that's why I love the Nintendo 3DS, everyone. Hmm. Um, so there you go, Nintendo 3DS. What a fantastic little handheld, and what a great story, Steely. Thanks for sharing with us. That's a ripper. I still remember when I first booted up my Nintendo 3DS and I was like, holy shit, it is 3D. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it was a very subtle 3D, but I was like, that's actually quite clever. It my is story clever. is not it's quite as good fucking, as my... It's uh, a Mr. Bombastic, <laughs> so fantastic. My 3DS story is not um, quite as good as uh, Steely's, but I did also have a wow moment when I first saw it. Hey, that is equally as impressive. Mm. <laughs> All right, so next up we have Casey C Mac Pistol Pete McLaughlin. So what the pissed the pressure the oh. pressure's yeah, on to say Joel, 3DS Joel, now. Missed, Joel missed the pissed bit this at the beginning of the episode, so you got it in oh, there. Pissed. Yeah, pressure's on, and I'm not going to live up to that. But um, yeah, I like three. 3D, 3D, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like the 3DS because like you can play your games on it and shut the fuck up. No, so yeah, well, 3DS. I reckon that has been the console that we've bought most the most amount of games on. Mm. Like we have a drawer and you open it still because we you cannot trade in 3DS games anymore. Mm. So we've just got them just sitting there stagnant. Impact. Absolutely tons of games. We've got so many games on that console. And yeah, I reckon it's probably my most played. Yeah. Um I gotta say as well, the GameCube has some of my most favorite games on it. So mm. and that has a lot of nostalgia for me as well. You know, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Uh, Wind Waker, Zelda Wind Waker. Oh. That's got to be one of the, the very first, very early first games. Pikmin. I remember mm. I played some of that when I was growing up as well. Yeah, just some really quality games on. Mario Sunshine. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mario Sunshine. Like, Luigi's even Mansion. Luigi's Mansions. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm like a bank. They're pretty Not much the... Yeah. Kind of like a <laughs> sperm bank. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to come. I'm a fax out of my mouth. But yeah, like, I, I, I feel like in, in the 3DS has some incredible games on it, but I just feel like the GameCube had some very, some quality games on it as well. You know, like you said, Hyrule could do it. And we bought it, Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was not good. Um, no, whereas like to to you know to go on the back of what Ferg said, the GameCube had incredibly polished experience. That's right, yeah, and they're just such, and because they were such polished experiences, they still stand up to today's standards in gaming, really, and that's why they're being remade on the Switch. So I think you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm the same. 3DS with all the memories that he said as well. I met met you. Yeah, we, we all know you're not as sentimental as I. <laughs> but um, do you know what? That first day that I met him with, oh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I, probably, I think I've already told this story. I've, already, I've told the Kino story, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. when I won the Kino, yeah, I bought the three years. Yeah. And yeah, that's it. That's the yeah. story. Well, your fucking good. Kino story can... Eyes into the eyes. <laughs> As good as your uh, shitty small 3DS is, you need to get the XL and it changed my life and it was Mm. amazing. But anyway, yeah, so I reckon sort of a split between 3DS and GameCube for me. Mm. Yes. Yeah, very good. A couple of classics. Well, uh, I'm going to buck the trend Take us way back, Joel. Commodore 64. Uh, Paperboy. <laughs> what a classic, Atari. classic system, and also the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which I did have back in the day, and uh, you know, uh, used to get to chronic RSI from playing summer games and having to thrash the joystick backwards and forwards to make the the player on the screen run. But no, uh, the I'm I'm going to give credit where credit is due right now, and I'm going to say uh, the Nintendo Wii. Wow. Fuck yeah. And yes. the reason the reason that I'm going to say this is because people often forget, but the Nintendo Wii predated um, any other console in terms of motion-based mm. control. And, you know, Nintendo were trying to innovate and come up with a, an entirely new concept 
And when they brought out the Nintendo Wii and people were saying, oh, there's a game that Nintendo have brought out where you play tennis and you actually swing the controller like a tennis racket to hit the ball back and forth. I I didn't believe it. I thought Mm. they were talking bullshit. Mm. And it it made me curious enough that I can't remember whether I went and tried it out at a shop and, and gave it a go or whether I went, you know what, just fuck this I'm, and just went out and bought one. But amazing. And like Wii Sports, I mean, that that was like the the preeminent title for Nintendo Wii, not only mm. because it was packaged with the Wii when you bought it brand new, but it showcased off this new technology long before any other, um, any other video game hardware manufacturer... Uh, got on board with it like the six axis controller from playstation didn't come out until uh, a little while after that and even then sony's implementation of motion-based controls i don't think held a candle to what nintendo were doing with the wii mote Mm. and then later on once you could get like a module that plugged into the bottom of the wii mote that gave it even more accurate uh sort of motion control but the fact that it wasn't just built into the Wiimote itself, but it was also built into the nunchuck, the mm. little joystick uh, sort of peripheral that you could plug into the bottom of the Wiimote. And then basically you had two hands that you could use for motion control. And it's it's carried through every generation since then. I still believe that Nintendo... Uh, the industry leader in terms of motion-based control play, you know, in in games like the Nintendo Switch, it's an integral part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to defer to Steely on whether it was uh, big on the Wii U or not, but um, no, absolutely, yeah, because obviously all, a lot of those controllers carried over into the Wii U, but with the Wii Motion Plus attached into the new controllers. Um, and I'm with you, mate. It was an absolute fucking riot. Playing mm. Zelda and stuff like that and being able to move your arms and stuff like that to swipe the sword, it, it's so, it seems basic and trivial now, but fucking amazing. What mm. an amazing feeling. I mean, you, you think about it, it's like um, the first time a, a, a company that makes cars decided to put windscreen wipers on the car. I mean, mm. you look at it now <laughs> and you go... Oh, well, every car comes with windscreen wipers, but can you imagine the first company that brought that out and it's like, fuck, I can drive in the rain now and I can actually mm. see where I'm going. You know, like it would have been, would have been a, an absolute revolution. Mm. And that's that's what the, the Wii was. And, and all right, there may be maybe the games that came out on the Wii U, um, you know, weren't as technologically advanced as what was coming out on the playstation 3 and and uh the 360 the xbox 360 at the time um but the the wii sold like huge volumes of hardware for nintendo and you know i think probably did did wonders to sort of boost nintendo's profile and and maybe even bring them back from the brink financially um, mm. because it was such a success and there were so many people that were getting involved in it that would typically have not been video game you know, type people 
But you know, mm. coming back into the fray because you had the the motion control was it was a great new innovation for them. And then you know later on when they brought when they expanded it and you know brought out the peripherals like the steering wheel you could yeah. get for Mario Kart, uh, which you know was basically just a just a bit of plastic that you mm. clip the remote into. Um, but you know another great innovation. And then things like the Wii Fit board that you could get and and do exercise based, you know, video games and things like that. I mean, I don't think there was anyone else doing that at the time. I mean, no. maybe, maybe some people have got on board with it now. I know you can get like uh, fitness based games on um, the PlayStation. Like the PSVR two has a, a a body combat Les Mills body combat game that you can download to to get a bit of a aerobic workout in if you want to but once again i, I still think that the that nintendo are still at mm. the the head of that game and like i said uh, previously for just dance and the motion controls that go with just dance the nintendo wii in my opinion is the superior console out of mm. all of the current generation so nintendo wii so you've got the motion controls and you'd think that that feature on its own would be enough to to go, yep, yeah, that that's an amazing console. But then, Nintendo decided to bake into the Wii U the Virtual Console, um, which I ended up playing more of than any of the standard Wii games, where I could go back and play Nintendo sixty four games, Super Nintendo games, original Nintendo games, Sega Mega Drive games. I could pay like a ten dollar price or whatever to buy some of these titles. And the the library was massive. There was so many great titles that you get on there, and I, I remember going on there and checking up week after week. Oh, you know, uh, is Wave Race on there? Is Ocarina of Time on there yet? You know, all these games that I'd really loved and and cherished from previous Nintendo generations, and they were all there in one place. I could pay a fee and just have this huge library of retro games that were, you know, made and, and built to run on that virtual console platform. Yeah. <clears throat> and, geez, I, I tell you what, for, for anyone who loved that virtual console era that the Nintendo Wii brought about, when you look at the offering, the pathetic offering that Nintendo put forward in the Nintendo Switch Online package now where it's uh-huh. barely a, a scratch of the surface of the games, the number of games, the volume of games, the quality of the games that was available on the virtual console. Um, they, they've just really seemed to have lost their way. And you sort of wonder, they've got a great concept now with Nintendo Switch Online where you can go and buy a controller that was modeled and looks exactly like the original Nintendo controller or looks exactly like the original Super Nintendo controller and works natively wirelessly with the Nintendo Switch and with these virtual console platforms that they've got on there. But as soon as you stop paying for your online subscription, those peripherals become useless and you mm-hmm. you can't play any of those old games anymore. And that just sucks, mm. uh, in my opinion. Mm. So Nintendo Wii was one of the the massively high points of uh nintendo's career or mm. lifespan or whatever you want to call it but uh 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I got super fond yeah. memories of the Wii. That, I mean, the Wii sports theme tune, I'll take to the grave. And you're right, like, we talk, you're talking about playing Mario Kart with the steering wheel. I remember the first time I actually used that, and it's just... It, I don't know. It just seems like such a simple thing, but getting the chuck, the nunchuck, and plugging it into the back of this steering wheel, and you're all sitting around the couch with controllers. I was just like, "This is awesome." It's very novel, but it seemed like really cool instead of just you know moving away from just a you know a standard controller that we'd seen to that that point, and just adding to the immersion and a bit more fun, like you know sitting on the couch and you're trying to go around the corner and you're doing the full body turn and all this sort of stuff and your mates are all doing the same thing. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and they were doing something different. Like I remember that time period where Xbox were doing, I think it was the Kinect, PlayStation was it the iToy or something. Was it the iToy? I think oh, it was. I think they came out with the... Was there something else They came out that? with the six-axis controller, but then they came out with the PlayStation Move controllers. Yeah, okay. Which I think the first generation of them came out at the tail end of PS3, but yeah, okay. it was it was in my opinion yeah. it was a an example of PlayStation trying to mimic the success of the Nintendo Wii by coming out mm. with their own sort of uh, copy of it, you know. Yeah. So prior prior to that though, it was their systems were more around. Here's a camera. It's picking up your body and your movements, and it's reflective in the game. Whereas the Wii was taking something away. Like, it wasn't just a visual thing. It was something that you were holding and that interactivity, which was like a point of difference, which is awesome. And you're right. It set Nintendo on a complete on a trajectory. You look at the follow-ups um, follow of their next consoles. I mean, we've, we've written the, the Wii U off pretty well and we always joke about it. But you look at the Switch now and the same innovations followed into that console and they're really at the forefront. You know, this was the first console that you could take with you. You could plug it in and play it on your TV. The nunchucks were detachable. No, no one else was doing that. So I think it all started when they shifted from, what was it, the GameCube to the Wii where they really, I don't know, it's like someone had some kind of epiphany in there at Nintendo and they really started thinking out of the box and really pushed the boundaries on everything we've seen to date so mm. yeah i agree we well done all right yeah. well fucking nintendo Wii. that's for you what a fucking console and that's about all the time we have for this week on the discerning gamer podcast i'd like to as always thank the dg crew starting with fergus fergamon hamilton thanks thank J- thanks jb always a pleasure mate and Simon Steely McLaughlin, thank you, sir. It, oh, it's been a pleasure. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Uh, maybe it was a bit more serious than I'd like to have been this week. I made some serious comments. Um, <laughs> and I've also put in a Lizzo joke in there, which my wife got very upset about. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I bet she did. And uh, she'll tell me after. Um, but I love you guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And last but certainly not least, it's none other than Pistol Pisty Pete. The Pist. All the Pist. There it is. All the Pist. Master P. Casey C. Mac. Master P. Yeah, she's here. She's, she's, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> sure are. And Hanging on. We'll see you next week. Bye. Catch ya. Hi everyone.
Let's see next week, everyone. What are you going to be playing up until then? A little bit of Mario Wonder, a little bit of Sonic Superstars, a little bit of fucking whatever you like. <laughs> Yum. <laughs>